Ruth, chapter 1, verses 15 to 22. Ruth, chapter 1, verses 15 to 22. Anybody have a testimony they'd like to share this morning? Testimony? What God's done in your life recently? So the last time we looked at Ruth, Naomi had heard that God had visited the people of Israel. Remember, God had provided bread, and somehow the judgment that God had put on the nation of Israel had ended. And Naomi tells her daughter-in-laws to go back to their mother's house. The mother's house was representative of, normally if you were a widow, you go back to your father's house, but she told them to go back to your mother's house, which was representative of go home and get married. Anytime you return to the mother's house, it was a sign that you wanted them to get married. And, and that's, that'd be difficult for Naomi to do that, but she wanted to release them to go home so that they could find love, bear children, and have a good life. The girls refused, and Naomi uses logic. Okay, look, girls, I'm too old to have children. Even if I could, you'd have to wait 20 years or more for those kids to grow up and marry you. So look, go home. There's no sense in following me. And we find out in the last part that Naomi is bitter at God. So we're going to pick up on the theme of faith today. Genuine faith requires action, and we look at verse 15. Now, this is Naomi speaking. She said, See, your sister-in-law has gone back to her people and to her gods. Return after your sister-in-law. So Orpah decides after she kisses Ruth, Ruth had made her point to her, and she decides to turn and go back to Moab. She's heading back. Ruth, however, has stayed put. And it's kind of astonishing that Naomi would say that. Because what Ruth or what Naomi is really telling Ruth to do is go back to Chemosh. That was the Moabite God. Go back to Chemosh. Because see, your sister in law, she has gone back, and therefore you should go back to the God of your land. When you talk about gods, you talk about, at least in the biblical narrative, you talk about national identity. So when the people outside of Israel heard that you uh, lived in Israel, they naturally associated you with Yahweh. You were identified as Yahweh because God, the is Israelites' God was Yahweh, and it was in Israel. So now she's saying to Naomi, or she's saying to Ruth. To go back to your national identity. Your national identity is Chemosh. What about Chemosh? He was named the destroyer. Why would he be named the destroyer? Because he was the one who would try to destroy the nation of Israel. So she's saying, go back to the God who hates us. That's ironic. <laughs> uh, that's really, 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 really bad. There's something else here. In 1886, uh, Archaeologists discovered the Moabite stone. 
And the Moabite stone, uh, in this, this writing right here, Chemosh is mentioned 12 times. Well, King Misha, in this Moabite stone, claims to be the son of Chemosh. He is going to set the record straight. He is going to destroy the nation of Israel. And uh, therefore, it's okay. Ruth, if you go back to the God who hates us. Oh, yeah. By the way, Chemosh practiced human sacrifices. Here you have a woman, Naomi, who knows the true God. Who knows Yodehave, who knows Yahweh, the one who created the universe, the stars, the solar system, the earth, all the animals, and humanity. And this woman, Naomi, is telling her daughter-in-law, go back to heresy. Go back to a God that is not really God. I want you to go back there, and I want you to try to live your life the best you can. That's staggering. That speaks volumes of where Naomi is in her spiritual walk. Amazing. Why would she do that? Why would she do that? That's mind-boggling because she knows Yahweh. She knows the ways of God. She knows that God is a loving God. He's also a God of judgment. He will bring wrath. They had already experienced that before they left Israel. So she knows that, but she also knows that Yahweh is the one true God. Now, counter this with Ruth. Here you have Naomi who is definitely, and I don't want to seem like I'm really hard on Naomi, but she's faltering spiritually. Many times in our own lives we falter spiritually. We think somehow that God is out to get us, that God is not loving, God is not kind, uh, and, and God is messing with us. Have you ever had that experience in your own life? Uh, why is God doing this to me? This is where Naomi is. And unfortunately, it's coloring everything in her life. And so to tell Naomi to go back to a fake, fake God is, is mind-boggling. All right, now we look at Ruth's statements in verses 16 to 18. Here's what we have going on. It's in three parts. She gives a command. Some people think command's a little too hard. They would say an urgent plea. But when I look at it, I come to the conclusion that Ruth is giving Naomi a command. It's a threefold commitment to Naomi, which these are based on couplet forms. Let me show you what I'm talking about. So when you read this, you'll notice that she says, uh, for where you go, I will go, and where you lodge, I will lodge. That's a couplet. Then you've got the next one, your people shall be my people, and your God, my God. That's a couplet. And then she says, where you die, I will die, couplet, and there will, will I be buried. So she, she makes these commitments in form of couplets. She says one thing, and then adds something to it, all of that is part of the promise that she makes to Naomi. Oh, and by the way, there's also an oath down here to God. So three, three parts to it, a command, a threefold commitment to Naomi, which is in couplet form, 
and then an oath that she makes to Yahweh. staggering here you have a Moabite woman who is exhibiting more faith than a woman from Yodehavev from Yahweh the first one can literally be translated let me read it for you where Ruth says do not urge me to leave you or to return from following you a good translation would be, don't pressure me. It's in a harsh form. Do not ask me to turn around and go back. Do not do that. So now Ruth, this is the first time we've actually heard Ruth, other than the crying episode with Orpah. She is making a stern rebuke to a woman who supposedly knows Yahweh. Do not pressure me. By the way, this is all in a, in a uh, chaotic form here. Watch. She talks about life. So she tells Naomi, do not pressure me. For where you go, I will go. This is verse 16b. For where you go, I will go. And where you lodge, I will lodge. Where you are, I will be. Now, there's something of a play here going on. See, Naomi really doesn't think that God is with her. Can I say something here? I think what Ruth is doing in this narrative is saying that God is with you. And I am going to represent him in place of where you are spiritually. Have you ever had somebody in your life that they've just struggled and struggled? And by the way, I have known godly people who have gone through difficult periods. And you would, a real close friend. And I'm like, and when I, when I talked with her, I was like, get started again. Get started again. She had been a Christian for years. And she went through a bad period in her life. Ruth says to Naomi, where you go in this life, wherever it may be, wherever you walk, wherever you lie down at night, I am going to be there to remind you that God has not abandoned you. Wow. Sometimes in our own lives, we need reminders of this. She says something even more impressive. Sacrifice. I am leaving everything. Do you know what Ruth's doing? (laughs) What Ruth is doing is she is turning her back on her identity. She's turning her back on her identity. Chemosh, her family, everything. She is turning her back on that and walking with Naomi to Yahweh. She is turning her back on everything that she knows. You know what this, what this really reminds me of, and, and scholars have, have brought this out too. What it really reminds me of is what it means to follow Christ. 
Then Jesus told his disciples, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. What Ruth is exhibiting here is that thought of letting go of everything and following God, following Christ. She is turning her back on, on her life in general with her family and with everybody that she knew with the God. She is dropping that, and she is walking with Naomi to Yahweh. And see, when we come to Jesus Christ by faith, this is still an effect. It is a daily denying of yourself, right? It's every day. It's, 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 it's not like, you know, I prayed the sinner's prayer, now I'm saved, and I can do whatever I want to do. That's not how it works. Because God sends the Holy Spirit into our hearts, whereby Paul says we cry, Abba, Father, and we're able to talk to God. We're in a personal relationship with him. And so what we have to do is, we, in, 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 if we want to follow Christ, if we want to live for him in this world, we must deny ourselves because ourselves will say, I don't want to do that. I want to go my way. I want to do my own thing. I don't like this, Lord, because this is difficult. And I'm going to tell you, I think, I think Ruth is exhibiting this kind of, not in the same way that we do. I get that. But in a broad spectrum here, Ruth is really turning away from everything to follow Yahweh. And we have to remind ourselves that we don't Judaize Ruth. She's a Moabite. I honestly think that Ruth is a Jew inward. She may not, she may be a Moabite, but she's exhibiting the faith genuine faith that requires action genuine faith that requires action next you notice here where she says where you will be where you are I will be and then she talks about death staying beyond the grave no this is more than this is more than just saying where, where you die, I will die. She is utterly renouncing everything. She, when, when Naomi dies, when Naomi dies, she is going to stay in the family. She's going to stay in the family. She's not leaving the family uh, because uh, her mother-in-law dies and she's free to go do whatever she wants to do. No, she's saying, I'm going to stay with you even beyond death. Oh boy, oh boy, oh boy. Is that not a picture of what Christ does for us? He stays with us. And this is, this is actually beautiful, folks. This is, this is beautiful. She starts with stop pressuring me and then gives Naomi an image of what Yodehavev is, what Yahweh is. And I don't know how Naomi can't, can't go, Okay, I'm sorry, I, I know, because this is exactly life cannot separate us and death will not separate us. I have a friend who is closer to me than a brother. His name is Jesus Christ. And then she concludes it. 
She concludes it with Yahweh is my witness. Look what she says. May the Lord do so to me and more if anything but death parts me from you. And I would maintain that wanting to be buried in the family plot means that she's staying with her even after Naomi dies. And I like what Daniel Block says in his, and this is a, this is a, this is really saying, Yahweh is my witness that this will happen. You know what I'm thinking about before I get to Daniel Block's comment? Do you know what I'm thinking about? There's only one way that Ruth could have known about Yahweh. There's only one way. It was through her mother-in-law, Naomi. Back in the golden years when they left Israel and they went to Moab, uh, there is no doubt in my mind that Naomi was happy. She was talking about Yahweh, which is so staggering why she would tell Ruth to go back. So Ruth is learning from Naomi and maybe Elimelech and maybe her kids maybe she's learned it but she's not only learned it she's applied it to her heart it's not just a head knowledge of Yahweh it is a heart knowledge of it. that's the only way she could possibly learn this stuff she's a Moabite Chemosh is her God she has to learn it from somewhere so at some point Naomi was at least teaching Ruth the true God. And now the student becomes the teacher. Yahweh is my witness. She's mentioning the name of Yahweh. A Moabite. Now let's get to Daniel Block's thought on this. The first words we hear from Ruth's lips alone, there was the crying episode, uh, are among the most memorable in all of Scripture. Few utterances in the Bible match her speech for sheer poetic beauty and the extraordinary courage and spirituality it expresses. Ruth, truly, even though she may not know everything about Yahweh, Ruth is truly exhibiting a faith that is genuine. A faith that is taking a leap of action. You are, she is saying, okay, and I don't think Ruth understands everything about Yahweh, but she knows enough. She knows enough. And I believe with all of these statements that, that she makes, she is, in a sense, saying to Naomi, hey, you remember what God is like? He's with you. You turn everything over to him, and he will take care of you. I'm not going to leave you. And I know that God took your husbands and your sons, and Orpah went back to the, to the land of, of Moab, but I'm not going to leave you. It should have been a sense of security for Naomi. 
should have been. Genuine faith always requires action. Genuine faith always requires action. Sometimes God calls you to do things that are difficult, hard, and tough. But I would like to remind us today that when we do those things and they come from God, I want to tell you God will provide. God will take care of you. He loves you. He cares for you. And when you take a leap of faith, when you just step out, God will take care of it. Please trust him. I mean, we're looking at Ruth here, and what a wonderful example. Oh, and by the way, genuine faith requires action, but also proper theology. Now, we notice here, look at verse 19a. So the two of them went on until they came to Bethlehem. Let's remind us here. Here's Bethlehem. Uh, the the uh, writer of Ruth leaves out the voyage. Remember, it would have been at least 100 miles. Uh, it would have been treacherous at, at points. But anyway, she is. they are now coming back to Bethlehem. They are entering Bethlehem. This is the old Bethlehem. We know that's the birthplace of who? Jesus Christ. That's the birthplace. of. But it's also known as the house of bread. Very good, the house of bread. You know, this should have been, and I get it, I get Naomi's had a, had a, a tough deal. I remember from 1979 to 1981, I was in Germany. And when it got close to leave, I put my short-timer boots up there. We would move those boots. It started at 30 days, and I would move those boots until it said, fly home. And I remember, getting on the, I remember getting on the plane, and we flew the eight hours back to the United States. And I will never forget, I was in uniform, I will never forget uh, what, the, what the captain of the plane said. He said, if you look outside your right window, you will see the Statue of Liberty. And being a 20-year-old kid, I looked outside the right window, and I thought to myself, I am home I am home, and I get the and when I landed, I was I really just wanted to kiss the ground. Not that I didn't like Germany, but I was I wanted to be home. It was a big deal for me when I saw that Statue of Liberty. I almost teared up. I still remember that Statue of Liberty standing there, thinking, "I am home." Naomi, when she returns home. It's not the same thing. Now notice what happens in 19b. And when they came to Bethlehem, the whole town was stirred because of them. And the, woman, and the women of the town said, Is this Naomi? Could the... Hey, do, do you think stir means everybody's murmuring is this Naomi now it's been 10 years I bet you if you go back and you could go back to your 10 year high school reunion I bet you people would not have radically changed that much of course now I look at the 40 year and I go 
I haven't changed, but everybody else has changed, right? <laughs> I haven't changed. And I go, whoa. Hey, Vav Mem. Hey, Vav Mem is the word for stir, and it means to murmur. Could this, is this Naomi? In 10 years or thereabouts, Naomi has changed. That's why people are saying, is that Naomi? 10 years is not all that long. But because of her bitterness, she had been changed somehow. They should have recognized her. They shouldn't have been saying, really, is this Naomi? Oh, boy. She gets back. And she said to them, to the women of the town, do not call me Naomi. Call me Mara, for the Almighty has dealt bitterly with me. I went away full, husband, two children, and the Lord has brought me back empty. Why call me Naomi when the Lord has testified against me and the Almighty has brought calamity upon me? Moel is the word for Mara, which means bitter. And if I can read it like this, it might hit a little harder. The ladies in the town are wondering if this could possibly be Naomi. Naomi sees it and she goes, Don't call me Mara! Or don't call me Naomi! Call me Mara! Don't do that! She is angry with this statement. And the women just set up like this. Don't call me Naomi. Call me Mara. Because the Almighty has dealt bitterly with me. This is not a happy camper. In fact, it looked really spiritually bad. She bluntly responded in the Hebrew. And you could see the women like, whoa. What? happen to you. Have you ever met somebody that's in a spiritual funk and they're just angry and they say stuff they wish they hadn't said? This is probably one that Naomi wishes she could have walked back because this is not friendly. Why do you call me Naomi? In a sense, in a sense, I feel sorry for her. Because her theology is askew right now. You see this? Her theology is not right. I like what Hubbard said in his commentary. Perhaps the familiar sights. Dear friends, grown older, streets often strolled with her dear Elimelech. Places her son played kindled Naomi's 
emotions anew. The bitter irony of her name suddenly struck Naomi and triggered the blunt, explosive reply. Do not call me lovely. I get it. She goes home. She comes into Bethlehem, and all the old thoughts come back. My sons played there. My husband and I walked there. And they confront her, and she goes, Don't call me Naomi. I am bitter. I get it. You know what I don't see from Naomi that I, in, even in my own lifetimes that I've traveled in this realm, um, I, I'm, I'm not thinking that there's any praise for Yahweh. There's no trust that no matter what happens to you and to me, no matter what goes on in our lives, God is always with us. This seems to be absent from Naomi's theology, if you will. And she levels four charges against God. Four charges. Naomi. Not Ruth. Ruth says, I'm going to stick with you no matter what. The Almighty has dealt bitterly with me. You want a translation, a real-time translation. Shade. We know it as El, or, uh, El Shaddai. Shaddai. Makes my life bitter. You make my life bitter, God. Not happy, not joyful. You make it bitter. That's not somebody that really has a good theology of God. She is actually, when she says the Almighty has dealt bitterly with me, she says that you make my life miserable. I, she's also saying that in, in this, El Shaddai represents the power of God. She's also saying that you've done this. Boy, she is not exhibiting it right now. She is one angry woman. Secondly, I went away full, but the Lord, notice she shifts her thoughts here, Almighty and now Lord, has brought me back empty. Yahweh took my security and life. But had God really brought her back empty? I think there's somebody traveling with her, right? Ruth. Now, it is possible that God did bring judgment against Amimelech, Amimelech and his sons for the way that they conducted business. I'm not so sure Naomi was part of that now. I think she just happened to be at the end of the consequence of that. But it didn't go well with her. Why call me Naomi? The Lord has testified against me. Yahweh. Not Shaddai, but Yahweh. Yahweh is afflicting her. 
Lastly, Shaddai declares her guilty. You see here, Shaddai on both ends, Yahweh in the middle. Yeah, we got to be careful in our own spiritual walk not to blame God. Do you remember a couple of weeks ago I said the rain falls on the just and the unjust? Brothers and sisters, sometimes it's just life. Sometimes it is just life. But I'll tell you this. God is always with us. He is always with us. He never leaves us. And I notice that when God, do, or God does allow things to happen, he always provides something to help us and encourage us. Naomi, look to your right. You'll see your daughter-in-law who did not leave you, did not abandon you, and has said, I will never, I will never leave you. Naomi can't see it because she's ticked off. Wow. The, this is really the statement that starts the unraveling. God makes my life miserable. And, you know, God could have at this time said, you know what, Naomi? I've had enough. Boom. But herein we see the grace of God. And by the way, for a little bit of good news here, Daniel Block again. Viewed side by side, there is no doubt that the young foreign woman cuts a more impressively noble figure. In the end, the reader is repulsed by Naomi, but drawn to her Moabite daughter-in-law. Here you have an example in Ruth of one who is exhibiting faith in Yahweh, and on the other end, you have a, a follower of Yahweh accusing him of all kinds of things. Two, two images. I find this, I find this last one. Um, you got a wrong view of theology definitely going on here with Naomi. Some of that is from bitterness that has not uh, been repented of. But you have here in verse 22, I, when I look at it, I go, okay, okay. So Naomi and Ruth, so Naomi returned and Ruth the Moabite, her daughter-in-law with her, who returned from the country of Moab. And they came to Bethlehem at the beginning of barley harvest. Barley harvest was actually the, one of the first harvests to take place because it, you, you could harvest it um, early March to late April. So it would obviously be the first one. So I want you to think about something for a minute. Ruth and Naomi are returning to Bethlehem. Watch this. At a festival time. There's a lot of joy going on and thankfulness to God. And, and here comes Naomi. Here comes Naomi, bitter Naomi, 
coming in and there's this celebration going on and she's acting irritated with God. Oh, and by the way, Bethlehem, the house of bread, is now full. I see the grace of God here. They just happen to come in at this time. There are some times that we miss a blessing because we are so angry. We can't see the blessing because God gives us a blessing all around us and we just get so angry with him because of what's happening in our life and we miss the blessing. Naomi, I think here, this was a time of celebration, of joy. God had provided a harvest and we worship God. Naomi is the farthest thing right now away from worshiping. And you know what I think? I think Ruth is a godly woman. Maybe she's going to help Naomi get over this. Genuine faith always requires action. And also, proper theology can dictate how we live. So the issue for us is... Are you angry at God? Now, it's okay. There's been a lot of people that's been angry at God. Um, And there's been a lot of people that have questioned God. But what we can't do is allow that to hinder our spiritual walk with God. We cannot allow that to hinder. We have to say, okay, Things may not be going well right now, but you know what? I am going to trust Yahweh. I am going to trust Christ to take care of me, and I am not going to get burdened down by this. I am not going to allow this to rule my life. I'm not going to do it. And then you make a decision that says, I'm going to trust God and not look at the situation. I'm just going to trust him. Because what can happen is, it can get in us, and what happens is, Satan gets a foothold. Where we don't want to talk about God anymore, we we don't want to look at Christians, we don't want to talk about it, we don't want to talk about the Bible. Just becomes difficult. Don't hold on. Let go. And then to know... Brothers and sisters, I can tell you this with all confidence. Do you realize that when you trust in Jesus Christ, he loves you? God knows the plans he has for you. God causes all things to work together for your good and mine, according to his divine purpose. And he has a plan for you. And sometimes that plan does mean suffering and hardship. But in those moments... We cling to God all the more as we live for him. Father, I thank you for this day, and Lord, I thank you for your word. I pray, Lord, that this has been acceptable in your sight. Thank you for Ruth. Help us to look like Ruth.
not physically, but spiritually. Help us to trust you and willing to forsake things in our own lives so that we can magnify the glory of Christ. Father, help us to celebrate when you give us blessings. Help us never to forget to celebrate. Thank you for the blessings that you do give us. Thank you for loving us in spite of ourselves. Father, I pray if there's one here today that does not know you, today would be that day. Father, thank you for forgiving us all of our sins. All we have to do is go to you and just ask you. And Father, help us to trust you when things get tough. Help us, Lord, in our unbelief to believe. Father, if there's one here today that does not know you as Lord and Savior, that they would make that decision today to run to you and cling to you. Father, fill the voids in our hearts like only you can do. We thank you and we love you. In Christ's name I pray, amen. Deacon Glenn's going to come this morning. You come as God has spoken to your heart. Let's stand. Only trust him. sin oppressed there's mercy with the Lord and he will surely give you rest by trusting in his word only trust him only trust him only trust him now he will save you shed his precious blood rich blessings to bestow plunge now into the crimson flood that washes white as snow only trust him only trust him only trust him now he will save you, he will save you, he will save you now.